Hello, parent warrior. Is your child struggling in school? Are their reading problems making them feel like they are not as good as their friends? Maybe their self-confidence is low and they would rather just quit trying altogether. If this sounds like your child, I can help you. I guide parents of children with learning difficulties in taking the right steps toward getting your child the educational supports they deserve so that they are happier and more confident in learning. Let's get on a call. Schedule your free 15-minute consultation today at jessicashields.com. This is Parent Them Successful with author and licensed educational psychologist, Jessica Shields. Your child no longer has to struggle. On this parenting podcast, we unravel the complexities of the education system, give insight into intervention services, and offer encouragement and tools alongside your parenting journey. It's time for your child to thrive. Welcome your host, LEP educator and mama four, Jessica Shields. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Parent Them Successful podcast. I am just really happy that you're tuning in because today I am going to be talking about a topic that is just so near and dear to my heart, and that is how to help children enjoy reading, especially if they have reading problems, if they have a reading disability, because a lot of times, they just really don't enjoy doing any type of reading task. And I just want you to know there are a few things that you can do to support your child's reading habits. Again, even if they are struggling readers, reading should not be a chore and it should never, ever, ever be used as a punishment. That does not make kids like reading. So today I'm going to be sharing five major hacks or strategies that you can try to encourage more enjoyable reading time with your struggling reader. So go ahead, tighten up those earbuds. Maybe you're on your daily walk or if you're in the car on a commute in your van, whatever it may be, turn up the volume because you are going to want to collect these gems that I am dropping today. So as you are listening, make sure you stick around, hang out for your weekly challenge and your loving reminder, because I am sure it will bless you. So first, again, let's talk about reading. Is it me? Or does it really seem like kids these days just don't want to read? I remember being an English language arts teacher at the middle school and then later on the high school and having to do a lot of extrinsic reward systems just to motivate students to read. And I distinctly remember having a handful, just a handful of students who just love reading for the pure enjoyment of it. And those were, of course, my higher level readers. So they were already good at it, right? And they could enjoy it because they didn't have any barriers to accessing reading. Now, the more you read, of course, we know the better you get at it. But if it's hard, then 
you're not going to be reading as much and you're not going to grow as much. And so we know the opposite is true. And those students who barely read are struggling readers. They don't even, they can't even read at grade level. They're not going to be the ones picking up a book and practicing and reading more and more to get better because it's hard. Now, I do want you to keep in mind that these students who may have struggled the most that I had in my classroom back back then and still is, you know, it is true. It's a truth today. Uh, but those students, a lot of times were not even labeled as having a specific learning disability. So in most cases, the children who were struggling readers actually had the capacity to read well, but they just didn't find any interest. And so there are a lot of factors that can account for that, such as increased time watching videos on digital devices, maybe poor in-home reading models so they don't see their parents reading or anybody else reading. Maybe they have limited access to books. There are places in the country where kids aren't going to a library or they don't even have a single book in their home and so forth. So those are, of course, those readers who have the ability, but they're just not reading. So they have those uh, low reading levels. But of course, for my struggling readers who were identified as having a reading disability, reading was simply, again, it was just so difficult. It was hard for them. And it just wasn't enjoyable. So the frustration comes with that. And frustration comes with doing the homework because there's a lot of reading in the homework. So you see a lot of frustration across all subject areas because reading is the foundation for literacy in everything that we do. Now, for children who, again, they genuinely struggle with reading, the approach to helping them enjoy something that is just already difficult, it has to be different. It can't be like what we would do for our children who just simply enjoy reading or don't have those barriers, uh, those learning difficulties, those learning barriers. So now before I go into those five hacks or those strategies to use in order to help your struggling reader enjoy reading, I just want to step back and give you a few statistics because I want you to know what is impacting children who have reading disabilities. And I want you to understand just how important early intervention is. I, I see it as life or death. So it's super important that we have you as an involved parent in this process because it can save their life. And I say that literally, it can save their life. It can make them have a better quality of life just simply by intervening early. And you will hear me talk about dyslexia because it is the most common type of reading disability that I see. And there are many different types of dyslexia. People don't often know that, but there are many different types of dyslexia, which can affect children in very different ways from the sound awareness of words to reading comprehension problems. And all of it ultimately leads to reading comprehension problems. 
But I just want to point out that there is a common misconception that a person with dyslexia sees or write letter, writes letters and numbers in a reverse or backwards way. But that, again, is not always the case. So because we are looking at reading disabilities, just understand that dyslexia is one of the main ones and there are different types. Okay, and dyslexia, of course, is the most common cause of reading, writing and spelling difficulties. And all those things go hand in hand when we're talking about literacy. So I wanted to share a few statistics with you. This came from the Dyslexia Center of Utah and it's listed on their site. But I wanted to just share with you and talk about it a little bit. So one of the statistics that we know uh, is that one in five students, or you could say 15 to 20 percent of the population has a language based learning disability. And just for the record, dyslexia is considered language based learning disability. And of course, it is one of the most or actually the most common of language-based learning disabilities. And also it's important to know that nearly the same percentage of males and females have dyslexia. So we see about 50-50 when it comes to that. Also, dyslexia is about the same percentage, no matter what ethnic background or socioeconomic background you come from, it's still about the same percentage. And percentages of children at risk for reading failure are much higher in high poverty language minority populations who attend ineffective schools. And I say that because if you feel like your child has an ineffective school, there are things that you can do. You can, number one, you can advocate and be become a part of different committees and that the school district may have, get involved and voice your concerns and make change happen that way. If you're in an area where there are vouchers or other opportunities for your child to attend a school that might not be in your area, but it's somewhere else and and it has more it has a, a reputation of knowing that they use effective strategies, then that's an option. And then, of course, you can think about a third option would be to just take it upon yourself as the parent to give them opportunities outside of the school day that will help mitigate some of the ineffectiveness that you might be witnessing at your child's school. So there are other programs that you can get them involved in that also can meet the needs or their literacy needs. So those are ways to just get around if you think that your child's school is not ineffective. And how would you know? You can look at the test scores. You can see how your child is doing. If you Parents, you know if something's not quite right. Follow that feeling. Also, here's another statistic I want to share. In minority and high poverty schools, 70 to 80 percent of the children have inadequate reading skills. So it's not that they have a learning disability. It's just that the reading skills are not where they should be. And there are ways to mitigate that 
meaning you can do there needs to be interventions, high quality instruction, things of that sort. Now, according to the National Assessment of Educational Progress, 38% of all fourth grade students have below basic reading skills. They are at or below the 40th percentile for their age group. So we have a reading problem in our nation, but that does not mean that these children are reading disabled. It just means that we have to work on better providing skills or instruction that really tailors to building the language and building children's language and partnering with parents to build a child's language skills. Another statistic, nationwide, 20% of the elementary school population is struggling with reading. And I mentioned that earlier, that does not mean that they have a disability. It's just that in general, we see a lot of struggle in this area. Now, here's where it gets really, really, really alarming. So I just want to warn you. 62% of non-readers dropped out of high school. And that is a huge percent. And we're talking about non-readers, children who just cannot read at all. Youth with untreated dyslexia or reading problems are more likely than their non-dyslexic peers to drop out of high school, become unemployed, maybe underemployed, underemployed or incarcerated. So you may have heard statistics on incarceration and reading rates uh, amongst incarcerated individuals. A lot of them have reading disabilities. 80% of children with an IEP have a reading disability. So if you think of all the children with IEPs, 80% of them have a hard time reading. And out of that group that have a hard time reading, 85% of those are dyslexic. And then the last statistic, which is important, I believe, 30% of children with dyslexia also have at least a mild form of ADHD. So if you think about a child who's already struggling to read, but then they're also struggling to pay attention to some of the strategies that we want to provide to them in order to help them read. That's just a compounding effect, which does not serve them. So we have a reading problem, but your child with a reading problem is going to have an advantage. Why? Because you are in their life and you are going to make the difference. Now, I know these statistics are alarming. They don't have to be. The thing that I want you to understand is that the thing that really helps struggling readers not become a negative statistic is receiving early intervention. That is key. Early intervention is always the best intervention. And besides enlisting the support of the educators in your child's life to ensure that your son or your daughter is successful, you can help your child learn to enjoy reading and help remove those barriers that make it difficult, that make it feel like a chore for them. And honestly, I don't know too many kids who enjoy doing chores. So we definitely don't want reading to feel like one of them. So I want to share those five hacks that I promised I was going to share those five strategies to try. And here's the first one. I love this one. 
Help them pick out books to read that are not too easy and not too hard. This means finding books of interest. Notice how I said of interest within their zone of proximal development. So a zone of proximal development is basically uh, is is a is an area uh, that they can read in, and uh, it again it means that they're not too easy, they're not too hard, they're right where they can be independently reading without help and feel successful. And that's where they learn to become better readers. And so the more they're reading in that zone, actually they're building their reading skills and their zone will shift upward and they will be able to read more difficult books more and more and more over time. So the more that they're reading in their zone of proximal development, the more they can shift that zone to capture harder books over time as they start to master the language at their current reading level. If you don't know what your child's zone of proximal development is, there are tools that teachers have and they can share that with you. What's my child's reading level? So you don't want them to read anything too much over that, too much under that. And that will give you a good idea of where to be. And I will put a tool in the show notes that also will help you Look up certain books and it will tell you the different reading levels and the zone of proximal development for that book so that you can have a better understanding of what a book can offer your child. Okay, because I know some children will say, I want to read Harry Potter, but okay, we can read that in a different way. But when you're reading by yourself, you need to read something in at your level, in your zone of proximal development. And again, I'll put that link in the show notes. Number two, I like this one because I use this one too. Encourage audiobooks, books that read to them, especially if they highlight the words on the page as they are being read. And this will improve or remove, it will actually remove the barrier of trying to decode what the word is saying. And from that, when kids spend so much time decoding, they're missing out on the message of the text or the story. And if you think about audiobooks, you think about closed captioning and those other tools, turn on closed captioning too. It's like an audiobook. But audiobooks are great because it helps them focus again on that message while learning something new. Now, imagine being able to be a a part of a class discussion because you are able to access the text in your own way. And now you can focus on being more of a critical thinker and, and, and teachers can focus more on those critical thinking skills. And that is a win win situation. Number three, expose them to nonfiction text and This text should be paired with pictures to help them understand the meaning of the words on the page. So, for example, look for instructional texts that show you how to do something. Maybe you need to put together a game or a toy. You can do it together, but show them how the information on the page is linked to the picture that demonstrates the next step in the how-to directions or instructional directions. And nonfiction doesn't always have to be a biography. It can actually be instructional materials, manuals, magazines, 
It could be how to play or how to code a YouTube game or a Roblox game or whatever it may be. So just think it's not a story. Non-fictional is not a story. Typically, it is of something that you can do that's practical. So those practical skills can come in handy. Number four, make reading fun, please. (laughs) Make it fun. Make it exciting. And you can do this by selecting books that are readable at their reading level. And again, very high interest. And the important piece here is that it's fun. It's of high interest. It could be a cookbook. That could be super fun. You can make different recipes. You can work through reading those recipes. If they stumble upon a word they don't know, they're unfamiliar about, talk about it. If there's a picture to go with it, like sift flour. What does it mean to sift? You can talk. You can demonstrate that. You can look at that word again and and just have it in context in that moment. And maybe even try to see if they can come up with a way to remember that word next time. So get creative, make it fun. But maybe in the next recipe, you'll see the word again, sift. Oh, there's that word again. What does it mean? But repetition is everything when it comes to reading, especially for reading uh, struggling readers. Number five. Use multi-sensory ways to connect them to reading. Multi-sensory, think of the five senses. So for children with dyslexia, they need to hear the words, see them, say them, write them in a sentence, even incorporating gestures and movements. All of that will help commit the word to memory. And that's what you want. That's going to build their word recognition And it builds their ability to just read and understand what they're reading. So those are the five tips. Read, number one, I'll just summarize. Number one is read in their zone of proximal development or read at their reading level. Number two, take advantage of those audio books, especially the ones that that highlight the words as they are reading. Number three, get some nonfiction how-to instructions and build something great or make something new. Number four, make sure it's fun. And if I were you, I would definitely use a cookbook as one of the strategies to make it fun. And number five, think of the five senses and how you can use words by listening or hearing the word, seeing it, saying it, writing in a sentence, gestures and movements. Now, I hope you can feel that this is one of my favorite topics to discuss. And I truly enjoy helping parents support their struggling learners at home. For any of the strategies mentioned, try one or two and give it six to eight weeks before you determine whether or not it is working for your child before moving on to a different one or even adding another strategy. Because my hope is that you will see their confidence built right? And they will feel more hopeful about building their reading skills. And it's exciting to see them blossom. Please keep in mind that if your child has a reading disability, they may always struggle with reading. They may always 
continue to need support throughout their lifetime. And that is okay. It is okay to have some aspect of life where you're not perfect. It is okay. But you know what's good about it? We have so many digital tools to help remove barriers to learning. We have so many tools that will read it to you. And they can always take advantage of that, knowing that they need that, just accessing the things that they need. And that's self-advocacy. And what I would say is most important is to really ensure that your child is spending more time building upon their natural strengths and interests. This is the most valuable thing you can do as a parent because it shows them that despite their reading struggles, there are so many other things they are good at in life. So again, mitigate the weaknesses, yes, but focus on the good more. And that is just the key to everything. So I know, again, that was a lot of information, but I really hope you see the value in it. And I hope that you are ready to take action. So here's your challenge. Again, just choose one or two of the new strategies mentioned in this episode and try it for the next four to six weeks to see what type of difference it makes. And your loving reminder is just always remember to mitigate weaknesses because we want to just truly focus mostly on strengths. That is what is going to foster a sense of hope and build your child's confidence. If you want to talk more about your child's struggles in school, feel free to schedule a 15-minute free consultation with me, and you can find the link on my website at jessicashields.com so that we can determine your next steps. Well, Parent Warriors, I surely hope that this episode has blessed you, and if it has, simply hit the follow or subscribe button so that you don't miss any episodes. And if you think of someone else that you love and care for who needs this information, share the link parentthemsuccessful.com or screenshot the title and send it to them because sharing is what makes the biggest difference in someone else's parenting journey. If you are the type of parent like me who is serious about better supporting your child's growth and development, Hey, join my email list for more free content to help you on that journey. StrongerMindsStrongerYouth.com forward slash join the list. And that will be in the show notes. Just click it, join, and you're in. I appreciate you and I thank you so much for listening. Until next time, be blessed and love on your children. Thank you for listening to the Parent Them Successful with licensed educational psychologist, Jessica Shields. We're so glad you've joined us and would love to connect with you outside of the show. To find more information about our services, the Empower House Academy, or to take our quiz, What's Your Parenting Style? Go to StrongerMindStrongerYouth.com. Feel free to email us directly at info at StrongerMindStrongerYouth.com. We'd love to hear from you. Other ways to stay connected are on Instagram and Facebook by searching Stronger Mind, Stronger Youth and on Twitter at official underscore SMSY. Until next time, be well and love your children for they are a gift from the Lord.